You know, I got asked to talk about the early days of Friendly Geordies, and I think I will. I think I will because I think I'm an expert in the matter. You're not going to find anybody who has more insider knowledge in that specific subject. So if you want to know that, you've come to the right place. Whoop-de-doo for you. 15 likes. Here we are. I didn't know so many people cared. Maybe there's probably the rest 10,000 other people. Shut up and get back to how do I make friends. <laughs> well, you're not going to find that in this video because that is a lonely tale, my friends. I'm just going to, I'm going to cobble it all together for ye. I don't know if I've even done that before. No tub like the prison, huh? <laughs> Second best tub to plant a tree and all that. But yes, as I have alluded to before in the past in this specific video series, uh, the early days of Friendly Geordies was some sort kind of psychotic and <laughs> bizarre. In fact, one of my friends notified another friend of mine because I just completely disappeared off anyone's radar and then all of a sudden I came out with this bizarre channel where my cousin was pretending to be some creepy old pedo character and that was the beginning of Friendly Geordies. And it was because I tried doing all the intern stuff. I really felt like killing myself there. One, just the hierarchy was ridiculous. The second one was there was just this alluding... I didn't have the words for it at the time. Didn't have the words for it, but I could sense on a molecular level that the ABC and Today FM and where else did I, other places that I tried out, they all felt intuitively evil. You know, they felt corporate. They, they had some little Kremlin-y feel to them. And so it was bad for my soul. Probably would have stuck it out if I had no other choice, but fortunately I had this option. And that was because somebody that had just done like a little job at university, which I'm eternally grateful for, by the way, because if I didn't do that job at university, and this is the first lesson of Friendly Geordies, by the way, just do anything you can in the direction that you are interested in. Don't let those things slip you by. So if you saw an ad, for instance, that was, hey, we need a podcast host uh, for the university podcast, go do it. Go listen to mine, actually. It's still the best one by a mile. I actually did. And this is where I started to think, now I've got something here. There was two things in my life that I really think I should have gone forward and naturally do that, which is just this. By that, I mean this. <laughs> by that, I mean this. Uh, one of them was that, as I've said before, when I used to do speeches at school, everybody would even talk about it at lunch saying, oh yeah, it's Jordan's turn to do a team. Everybody liked that because it was just the most entertaining part of school because I'd sit there, think about how to craft jokes, just a friendly Geordie's video today. That is the early stages of that. And the more that I started going into it because I started thinking, yeah, I want to go into comedy. I like making people laugh. I want to go into that. But then I realized that my true strength was getting pieces of information and making those pieces of information hilarious, right? And if I don't say so myself. <laughs> but uh, I think that, that was my one strength. My one strength was that I was able to keep people's attention better than most. 
And I saw that in high school and I knew that I should be going down that path. And then I experimented with all little weirdo types of comedy. And I'm glad that I did that as well. I'm glad that I went through that phase of going through and grinding it out at the university comedy scene and up late and doing all of those things and doing weird little characters on stage in pubs with a bunch of bogans going, what the fuck was your French chef? Boo! I'm glad that I did all of that. Because there's elements of it that have been refined over the years, but it really just came back to doing those high school speeches. That's what I think I am best at doing, the high school speech. And I've just taken that to another level. And that is because that was my strength. And so I started to move into that direction. And after a result of moving into that direction, I just like, this was all early in the early stages of Friendly Geordies where everything was just getting tried out. But the thing was that that was the go through line in my life. The go through line was I felt most alive doing stuff like this, doing stuff like this. In fact, I was just talking to Miss Love then and he was saying, if you speak to me in real life, I'm very engaging on camera. You speak to me in real life, I zone out and stare out the wall and then like, hey, what do you want for lunch? Jordan, Jordan, <laughs> 7pm. Ah, oh, for Christ's sake, that's how I am. And it's because it's a horrible addiction of mine, but I'm just thinking about the next time that I can be on camera. <laughs> and uh, I think that I sensed that. I think that I sensed as a young kid that the most that I ever felt alive was doing school speeches, doing acting, that kind of stuff. So I started to heavily focus in on that, knowing that that was a strength because I just read so much self-help and they were always saying, just look, okay, you can work on your weaknesses. That's fine. But what you really need to identify, and I want you to identify this. I want you to write this down in your little homework book. If you haven't done it already, in fact, remind yourself of it. What are the things that you are most strong at? What's the thing that when you walk in, you're that little dog meme of the dog's head on that oversized muscular body. How do you have that advantage? In what environment? There must be one. But anyway, uh, that was the original part of it, which was that I went into doing podcasting. I went into doing podcasting and it was just because, and they, they saw it and they just went, yeah, 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 look, look, he does stand up around it. So these things just build up on each other. Yeah. This is the other thing that's amazing is that you start another lesson of life. You start with what you can. You start with what you can. It starts to snowball more and more and more until, you know, you're speaking of fucking Bill Shorten and Kevin Rudd, right? It's just, <laughs> you just keep doing what you're good at and more opportunities start to attract themselves around that. And that was the original part of it, I suppose. It was just, I sat there and then, as I said before, it was just a miracle that I failed Italian because I had no interest in it whatsoever. So I had to spend an extra term redoing that. And in that extra term, while I was just, it was like, you know what else as well? When I heard that I had an extra term there, I thought, mad, I get to do the podcast for an extra term. I was so grateful for that job, even though it paid absolute peanuts. And I spent... They, they said that you would write in your hours and all the other dickheads there would actually write in their hours and go, yeah, no, I work 10 hours and you have $200 a week. But I used to just write in, I worked five hours. I didn't care. This is the other thing that I think is a really good indicator. When you 
do something and you lose track of time and you don't care about the money at all, which is exactly what that was, you will never find UNSW podcasts that were so produced as mine. You won't find it. It's the same with Friendly Geordies. The reason that that I have that advantage, and now it's just magnified again by the fact that I have a bunch of other people around me that are extremely talented at what they do, right? Like, you know, Christo, for instance, amazing strategist, incredible strategist. That's what he likes doing. He likes scheming, yeah? And then you've got... Uh, my editors, for instance, and then there's one editor there that is really, really good at getting the through line, keeping me on focus, you know, like he's, he's good at just like pumping a message out and going, yeah, that's what you need to hear. I've got another one that's just a great artist. He's really, really good with visuals. And this is the whole thing. It's just like th- th- that passion starts to attract more passion. But that was way down the line. Like for years, it was just a solitary confinement by myself, extremely poor. And look, This is the thing that I think is what self-help gave me that nothing else did, right? So I left university, I had absolutely nothing, went to a bunch of internships, it didn't work out because I didn't go for the right families, but I was obviously, this is the other thing that I think as well, you know, you go into these environments and you realize, no, I'm, I'm more talented than you. You actually suck at your job and you're just here because you went to the right school and you know the right person. You're terrible. That was not me. In fact, I could tell that they were intimidated by me. You could tell that they just didn't want to give me any props because they knew that they were worse. Yeah? And so they kind of just shuffled me out because I was more talented than them. And look, this is not me in my own narcissistic world upping what my skill level was, right? Like, I am very honest on this channel as to what I am weak at. That was my strength. I was clearly a lot better than they were. And so I was just cycled out, out of ego. And so I just started this own thing all time, the biggest ego of all time. But that's what happened. That was what happened. And then so I just thought, okay, look, I heard about this YouTube phenomenon. And then I just sat there and I started doing videos. And you know what happened? This is the thing. I did go insane. It's not to say that I'm not insane now, but that was the snowball of it, right? So that thing of me just zoning out whenever my girlfriend or my friend speak to me and go, uh-huh. oh, yeah, 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 I care about that, right? That was the beginning of it because even though I was dirt poor, uh, I, I had low ebbs where I just thought, okay, there's, there's no way I'm going into this, right? Like this is not happening. But the thing is that the people around you, the people around you, this is what happens when you start focusing on it. And this was something else that I learned from self-help. When you start obsessively focusing on your dream in life, a lot of people will start saying things like, just give up. Just give up. Why are you doing that? Because it freaks them out to see someone that is that obsessive about it. But especially in a country like Australia where there is no industry Really, right? The industry that is there is basically set up for Malcolm Turnbull's kids so that they're like, I'm going to make a play. <laughs> you know, that those that's who the industry is in this country. It's not like Hollywood where it's like, yeah, we'll just chuck five million at him. Are you lost? That's all right. Let's go snow coke. It's not like that. So we have to create our own thing from the ground up, which is honestly why I think that a lot of artists in Australia are world class world class because if you were recognized by the world coming from this country 
You really had to have offered something special. You really have had to grind it, right? As soon as someone even shows a remote, faint bit of talent in the US, they have a massive platform to go up. And that's why I think that, in general, the average artiste in the US doesn't have as much to offer as here. Like, I think that, on average, their comedians are dumber, their podcasters are stupider. Like, all of them just worse. Anyway, so... The early days was me sitting in a room exactly like it is now. I've just got a better surrounding. <laughs> just got a better surrounding. And you know what the difference is now? I have plants to look at. That's really the difference. And aquariums. Just things to soothe my mind. But in, in, in the old days, I had my dingy shoebox room. In fact, actually, just... By the, by, by the way, I still rent that house out and I'm sitting in here now. Kind of just for nostalgic reasons as well. I don't actually spend, spend more time with my girlfriend in the office than I do here. Like I really should just get rid of it, but there's some attachment that I have to it because it's the same thing. It's when I'm talking into a shit camera. It reminds me of the early days and it puts me into state. The reason that I do this on this shit camera is to just show you, you don't need anything. You don't need to know all these special algorithms. You don't need to have these special cameras. You don't need to have any of that stuff. What you need is fire in your belly. That's what you need. Fire in your belly. That's all. Yes, there was low points when I was there. But again, because I've read self-help, I knew that dark times are followed by light times. It is the necessary hazing of baptism of hell that you have to go through. And as a result of that, I started to enjoy it. I started to enjoy being in a shithole. I started to enjoy having nothing in my life except just the absolute bare bones and focusing on that. And it was like those kind of pursuit of happiness moments where sometimes my camera would break down and I didn't even have the... I remember this now, holy crap. I remember once my camera broke down and I didn't have the money to go, even though it was $100, I didn't have the money to go buy another one. And so I had to open up the camera and fiddle around with it with a little fucking paper clip until it kind of just like started half working again. You might even be able to notice it when it came back. And, and it was at that point, like it was just because I had read so many times, I was just, I was thinking, this is low. Surely at some point, you know, this is going to pay off. Right? There was just that unwavering belief in the background that no, one day I will succeed. And it happened at an age that I'm honestly ashamed of. You know, like it was really, there was sad moments where, uh, you know, I, I forgot, I pretended that I forgot. Not, not that I forgot, like that I'd be like, oh yeah, your uh, present is coming in the mail. Sorry to my girlfriend. But the, the reality of the situation is I just didn't have the money for a fucking present. <laughs> you know, like I just didn't have the money for it. And so I had to wait until a check came in a few weeks later and then go, oh yeah, yeah, this, uh, this single flower came in the mail. You know, like there was just, it, it was a low point in my life, but I had all of these quotes written up on post-it notes all around my wall that I just looked at Every time I felt low, I trained myself. Look at those quotes. And then I went back into it. 
and it was the cleanest point of my life. Now my life is filled with a lot of distractions. I'm constantly getting buzz calls. Everyone knows that it is an impossibility to contact me, right? Because I hate it. I hate just any like little bing or like, hey, I've got this little message. It's just, it, it annoys me so much because I was always most pure when I was most poor. That was when I was just focusing on this. Does it mean that I was better? No, because I have you know, 10 years of experience that was accumulated off of that. But this is what I'm saying, right? Like that, that, that poor moment of my life. In a lot of ways, it was the most beautiful part of my life. It really was. And this is the other thing. Whenever I felt extremely low, I had the tools from self-help. I realized, no, you're supposed to go out for like an hour walk. You're supposed to go look at the beach and you're supposed to sit there and you're supposed to just write what you're grateful for for an hour. And then you come back and then you're fine. Because really, when you live in this country, yeah, I was poor, but I wasn't Ethiopia refugee camp poor. Yeah? Yeah? You see that? You can trick yourself into thinking, I'm rich. And that is what I had to keep tricking myself of. It's really hard to do that when you're out with all of your friends and they say, oh yeah, how about we just get this wine? Let's just get wine. Yeah, that's uh, fun. But like, dude, in your mind, even like, even if the bottle was like $6, which it never was, obviously, right? But this is the whole thing. This is the other thing that happened. I think the reason that I became more introverted was by pure necessity because I didn't have the money or the time to go out and party. But as a result of that, because I kind of just fell off the radar and then every now and then some of my friends would come back in. But I remember one of my friends talking to another one of my friends and he said, don't you think that Jordan's gone insane? And it was because, yeah, like, dude, it is insane when you were in your early 20s be sitting around in a room all day with a bunch of quotes around it, sitting there obsessively writing, like I do every day now, like obsessively writing, and then having no interaction, just completely falling off the bandwagon. Every now and then, I guess they'd check on me every six months. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you're here. Okay, you're here. You know, couldn't even offer them tea. I don't think I even had the money for that. You want, I remember that now. Holy crap. This is where you've really made it in life, don't you think? When someone comes to your office and you say, tea, coffee, decaf, mm, what about that? Oh, we've got a new shot machine here. Do you want to try that? Yeah, it's the Nescafe one. I know it's a bit bland, but sorry. Yeah, we're going to import some more luxury ones later on, right? Back in the day. Do you want some water? <laughs> yeah. Look, obviously I'm glorifying it and there was low points of my life. It really was. And there was points of everyone you know just knowing that you're a loser, you know? And and I think that an artist summed it up best. I can't remember who it was, but he said, and this was something about, yeah, it was just the pursuit of having that recognizability of your work and he was saying that when you're an artist and you wake up every morning and there's a couple of seconds there where you're just going back into the consciousness that is your life it's so heavy after maybe that fifth sixth second where you realize ah oh, i'm a loser It's brutal. 
I remember having that feeling. But the sad thing was that, especially before the internet, you could have that feeling your entire life. This man was supposed to be 50. That was his character. So, I cannot imagine how crushing that must be, especially moving way past the prime of your life and still not being recognized for anything. It must be crushing. Like the life of a tortured artist, I fully understand it, which is why self-help helps a lot. And obviously technology. But yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, look, if you are in that path in life, you've gone to a good place. You really have. So you really should pat yourself on the back if you are following that lifestyle of just obsessive focus. Obsessive focus will get you to your destiny. That's it. That is it. What you need is obsessive focus. I did nothing. I still do nothing to this day. Like, very little. Actually, I, I did hang out with the Dome Kang who was on the podcast and Ali. Uh, maybe every Friday, and uh, I'd get high. But this is the whole thing, <laughs> to escape my reality. And so I do understand the allure of drugs, but what I'm saying to people that are always saying, that I'm happy you're on drugs. No, you're not. No, you are not. You are happy you're on drugs because your life sucks. But anyway, um, the, the difference was, and I think that this is the whole thing, that the way that I justified that in my mind is that it wasn't a waste of time because I was thinking about it the same way that George Carlin was saying that, uh, yeah, every now and then I just have a little spliff and then I see my work in a different way. And that's the other thing. I remember once walking out and Dome Kang saying to Ali, do you think Jordan's autistic? <laughs> I was just like, hi. And I was like, hey, mate. Like, probably. But the thing is, they were talking about it again and they were just saying like, it's just weird. Like you walk around life with a notepad, just writing down epiphanies and obsessively writing down little principles because again, like, dude, this is the whole thing. This is the whole thing of coming from the working class and trying to make something of yourself. You don't have anyone in your entire circle that understands what you're trying to do. Right? And in fact, they can't. Just by definition, no one else can understand it. You have that vision in your life, right? And so when people always say, did you have an idea that you would be where you are today? Yes, it didn't look exactly like what I thought, but you know, I had that idea of just being kind of like a Bill Maher, a, a, a John Stewart of Australia, and I think that that's pretty much what's happened, right? And so there was that small vision that came over time, but the original one, like with them, right? They started out as a comedian. They got interested in politics. They thought, wow, what a happy marriage that is. Um, that's what happened. So there was an evolution of thoughts over the time, which is what I'm always saying to you. It doesn't matter if you reach your goal. The point is that you have a goal. It doesn't matter if you don't reach it. That is completely immaterial. The point is you are trying to focus your mind. You are trying to get that obsessive that, you know, when I met my girlfriend, she still laughs about it to this day. Just, it was fucked. I was in the club with a notepad. It actually did work as a peacock. I, I was also thinking of it as a peacock, but they were all chicks about, I can't notepad about. Um, but yeah, you know, like, dude, I, I was an eccentric weirdo that you'd see walking around like that. That is the reason that I am where I am today because I was that focused on it. That's what it takes. Anyway, if you'd like more tips on how to get there, you know where to go. 
Because honestly, as I was saying, look, this is the whole thing. This is why I make it cheap. I make it cheap so that even if I was back then, I could afford one of them if I wanted to. But I also offer the free option because I want you guys to get there. And this is the whole thing. Like this information is available, but I do put the primo stuff behind the Jordan Shanks Patreon account. And I put it there because I think that that is information that truly the amount of investment that you are putting into it, for Christ's sakes, like five bucks a week, it really is makes you a millionaire from nothing stuff. I am living proof of it. Living proof of it. Living proof. That is the information that got me from that of being that poor of, uh, uh, it's coming in the mail, that poor to just being sellout shows across the country every year, over, can't sell enough tickets. The reason that that happened is because of that information. It is not because I'm special. It is because there is a certain way of going through life. And it's behind that paywall. So if you want to see what it is, Jordan Shanks, become a member today. Sign up for two videos. Why not? Prize of coffee.